Hey everyone, welcome back to Pretending with Dice. As always, I'm your host and game master, AJ. Uh, just a super quick intro this time around, as today's episode is just a little bit longer uh, than the last few have been. Uh, I just want to say once again, huge thanks to those of you who submitted questions for Eden, Ollie and myself for the two-year anniversary Q&A uh, that went up last week. And uh, a big thanks to all of you who listened to it. Uh, we had a lot of fun hanging out and uh, answering the questions, and we hope you all enjoyed hearing it. Uh, we'll definitely be doing uh, more Q&As in the future, I reckon, uh, as bonus episodes, uh, but they'll probably end up being uh, more focused on specific story arcs. Uh, for example, I think we'll probably be doing a uh, Cthulhu-specific Q&A uh, once this story arc has finished, uh, hopefully with all three cast members. Uh, more news on that as we, uh, as we figure it out, I guess. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, Alright then, let's uh, quickly recap what happened in our last episode. Madame Sway and Barnard help the confused Alistair away from the darkened field and back into the theatre where they all realised he had lost his memory of the night's events and couldn't tell them what had happened to him. The attending police officers uh, found this suspect and uh, noting that Alistair had now been seen at more than one crime scene placed their suspicions on him for the murders. Uh, Madame Sway managed to convince the police that Alistair was in no coherent state and to allow him a night's rest, uh, promising that the two of them would head to the police station in the morning to give a full account. Uh, once asleep in his bed in the lodgings, uh, Alistair's memories began to return to him, and he dreamt of the horrific creature which he had faced in the field before passing out. Uh, waking, he frantically wrote down everything that he could remember before waiting to meet the other two in the foyer of their lodgings. That's, uh, that's pretty much where we left off, uh, so without any further ado, let's begin today's episode. Enjoy. Okay, so let's say the three of you meet up in the foyer then. What what is the plan? Um uh, plan is to go to the police station. <laughs> yeah. I but he doesn't want to be a fugitive. No, no, I definitely don't want that. Um okay, Alistair will be I think he'd be the last one down mm -hmm. at this stage. So he comes downstairs, uh spots uh Madame Sway and Bernard. And uh, just sort of walks over to them, trying to keep a kind of lowish profile because obviously other people be, might be around at this time. Yep. Um, uh, right. Oh, there you are. Uh, I hope you uh, slept well. I sort of did. But uh, I, think my, uh, I think my memory's come back somewhat. Do you remember what happened? I do. Um, I'll tell you both what's come back to my mind, but I'd rather not do it here. Can we walk and talk at the same time? Yeah. By all means. Right, let's uh, meander our way into town towards the police station. So I sort of mm -hmm. gesture towards the door. Yeah, okay. So, uh, yeah, now heading out onto the street. It's another cloudy day. Yeah, it looks like it had been raining a bit during the night as well, so... <laughs> 
Okay. Streets are got a little bit of dampness to them. A little bit of damp. Oh yeah. Yes. Okay. Um last night I do now remember us going to the theatre. I remember the interval and I remember a body falling from the rafters above the stage. Uh I there was commotion and I do recall rushing around looking for answers, checking bits of the stage and I do remember asking about the person who was playing Caliban and it was a man called Tim I forget his last name I remember asking Abraham where Tim had gone but he was nowhere to be found backstage while everything was happening after the body fell I remember going out the side of the theatre and the alleyway was clear to the left of me but to the right it was darkness and something something sort of made me want to check what was down there and I, I took a lantern into the field and I saw Tim on the ground making some strange noises and that's when I reached for my gun I had no intention to shoot him unless he proved violent, but when I got to him, I asked him what had happened, and he said something about the thing, and he just keeled over. I didn't check to see if he was still alive or if he had died, but I remember turning around, and there it was. This tall, hideous-looking thing. It had these long arms with claws, almost like massive needles on each finger. And it, it was humongous. It stood over me, and a face that looked human, but not quite human. I raised my gun to it, but I don't call firing I think I lost consciousness and I must have hit the floor and then that's when I woke up to find you two standing over me there was definitely something in the field that night and I'm starting to think that this thing was responsible not only for the death of the stagehand but also the verger in the church. So the verger had had a chunk taken out of his body, his midsection, and Tim was holding his sides and holding his front as if he'd suffered a similar injury, which would explain the blood that was on the ground. Whatever this thing was, whatever it is, it's out there and it's attacking people. It sounds otherworldly, I know, but something out of an H.G. Wells novel, but I swear to you that's what I saw. Yes, it all sounds really rather beyond belief. I've, I've, I've never heard of such things. Looking to Madame Sway to gauge reaction, Barnard kind of raises an eyebrow like, Are you sure these? this was not the product of your imagination in the night? I assure you, Bernard, I did not imagine this. 
whatever I saw must have shocked me to the point where it threw my memory completely out of place. It came back to me while I was asleep after the events had occurred, and I spent this morning jotting it down, trying to put it in order. I take the piece of paper out of my inner pocket and hand it to Bernard. Here, the events as I remember them. A monster with a face so horrific you forgot it. It terrified you to... That would seem to make sense. It's like something out of a play. Exactly. And to think, I suspected Caliban, the actor playing that character might have been responsible, but this thing I saw was more of a more of a demonic creature than Tim's makeup made him appear to be, and it was real. So very real. While you're talking, Bernard's reading the note and is is just waiting for you to stop to interject. As, as I take in the details that you've put down here, it, it all seems really beyond belief in such a way that I, I have fears that if you speak to the police about this matter that you may be considered uh, a little mad. Uh, that, um, well, what were your thoughts in, in terms of what, what will you tell the police when you sit down with them this morning? I, I have a horrible feeling that you may be under suspicion at this point. Uh, at this point, I'm thinking keep the details, these details, to ourselves. And we will tell the police something else. Perhaps a blow to the head knocked you unconscious and made you momentarily forget. Like you... I don't... I don't want us to fudge the truth, but perhaps not saying... mentioning the creature and mentioning something in the... I mean... Mention Caliban and his injuries, but I would think maybe I mentioned something going on in the background and then falling unconscious being the last thing you remember. Indeed. In fact, I think I know what I'm going to tell them. Okay, so at this point you're kind of getting to what you can see the police station ahead of you. So, uh, yes, now is the time to get your story straight. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so heading into the station... Uh, at the front desk, there is uh, another officer that you haven't seen before. Kind of looks up as you, uh, as you enter. What can I do for you? Good morning. We have an appointment. Appointment? Uh, oh. Speak um, to the inspector about the events that occurred at the theatre last night. Oh, yes. Uh, inspector Savage said uh, he was expecting uh, someone to turn themselves in, I that- believe was his words. Well... That is not what we're here to do. No, we're here to clear up what happened last night. I've had a good night's sleep and my memories have returned. And as I said, I am here to assist in the inquiries. Right, okay. Well, if you'll uh, you'll just come through, uh, take a seat in the office over here. Uh, What about you, sir? I was only expecting two people. He looks to you, Barnard. Uh, I'm merely accompanying my compatriots here. I was thinking better of the fact that it's been quite a uh, violent time in this town recently and that perhaps they might appreciate a little extra company. I'll be going about my business now for the rest of the day and uh, I'll leave them to theirs. Very well. And with that, I'll kind of turn to the others and say, I'll, I'll uh, have a look around town, see if I can find some more information. I'll return uh, to the lodgings later and I will meet you there this evening. Very well. Thank you, Bernard. We'll see you later. Um, be careful. 
indubitably. So we'll stay with uh, Alastair and Madame Sway then. Um, so you're seated in a fairly sparse uh, kind of office. It's not like a, I wouldn't call it like an interrogation chamber, but you're kind of sat on, it's basically that. You're kind of sat on one side of a desk. Uh, there's a chair on the other side, uh, currently empty, but um, a couple of filing cabinets in the corner. But otherwise, it's uh, you know it's pretty sort of pretty sparse room, let's say. You're only waiting a couple of minutes before the uh, the same detective from the previous night uh, comes in. He's looking a little bit tired. And he's got a cup of uh, cup of tea in his hand, which he uh, he sits down opposite you, takes a drink. Goes right then. Are you uh, you ready to talk then, Mister Fentworth? Was it? That's correct. And yes, I'm ready to cooperate. Good, good. Now then. Uh, he nods to you as well, Madam Spacer. Good to see that uh, the good lady here had the sense to uh, bring you along this morning. Wouldn't want to put out a, have to put a manhunt out specifically for the pair of you. You wouldn't need to. We're both innocent. Well, that's uh, we'll, we'll we'll certainly get to the bottom of that. Now, then, sir, I'm sure you've got quite a story to tell us, have you? Yes. So uh, I'm going to need to know from you what exactly you were doing at all of these uh, these crime scenes, if not uh, committing them. So it's just going to roll our eyes. It's just completely <laughs> like, really? Well, I'll start at the beginning, shall I? Best place. I travelled down from the city four days ago with the intent of visiting a friend of mine who was performing in The Tempest, which is a production that happened last night. I'm aware. Indeed. Abraham Foster, if you want his name. I, I am familiar with Mr. Foster, yes. Yes. When we when I arrived in town, I ended up sharing a boarding house with Madame Sway here, and our friend Bernard, who you saw last night as well. Gentleman with the scarf and the stick. That would be him, yes. Not, with, not here with you today, then? He accompanied us here, but he's decided to go back to the lodgings. Very well, very well. Since we have been down here... I can't help. I haven't been able to help but notice some very strange things going on. Town seems a little bleak. Reports of people going missing. And while I was walking around the town a few mornings ago, there was a commotion going on at the churchyard. If I may interject. Of course. Um, I, it was I that informed you about the ruckus at the church. As I went to have a look and have a word with the vicar, the commotion started and your police officer came in with the vicar. I felt unsettled and then as I left, I, the police officer told me about the verger. As I was distressed by the information, I left and on my way returning to the lodgings, I bumped into Alistair and relayed what I had discovered myself. Of course you did. Silly me. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> At this, the um, the detective says, oh, "I probably told them not to give out information to members of the public." Very well, go on. <laughs> so I spoke with Madame Sway after what she had discovered, and she was quite clearly shaken by those events. And I decided to go to the churchyard and see if I could figure out anything else for myself. But your police officers were quite, uh, I'd say, not very forthcoming with information, as the profession dictates they should be. Yeah, about bloody time. Well, quite. And I decided at that point that I wasn't going to get any more information out of it, so I wrote it off as a quite 
nasty bit of business. But I was there to see the commotion going on. I can assure you, whatever happened to that verger, I was nowhere in the vicinity to cause such a grisly scene, shall we say. So that is uh, count one of me being at one of the crime scenes. Very well, very well. I was there to observe commotion and nothing else. And the second instance, the event at the theatre. We all left the boarding house after a meal and went to the theatre to watch the play. After the interval, we sat down for the second half of the play, and a body snagged on the curtains and fell from the rafters. You can imagine, this caused quite the commotion. People started running, screaming, and uh, generally panicking about what had just transpired. You didn't feel the need to run yourself? To be honest, Inspector, we, all three of us were quite taken aback by what we'd seen, and... At first we thought it was an accident. Yes. Nobody knew what it was until they actually got to the body. Hmm. And of course, with a friend of mine being the prominent star in the play, my concern was for him, initially, make sure that he was alright. The last thing you expect is a dead body to fall from the rafters in the middle of a play. Rather creepy, yes. Yes. A sandbag holding the curtain up, I could understand, but the body? That just is not right. Mm, well, so creepy ain't a crime. Creepy's not a crime, but clearly whatever happened there is a crime. Was a crime, and will continue to be considered a crime, Inspector. Anyway, I went back to the stage and asked Abraham what had happened, if he was alright, and I asked with inquiry, if anybody in the cast was missing from the gathering on the stage. That's when Abraham mentioned a chap called Tim. Oh, Mr. April, yes. That's his name, yes, Mr. April. We still have yet to locate him. That's just the thing, you see. Abraham said that Tim should have been somewhere backstage. He wasn't on the stage at the front, around the body, and he wasn't anywhere else in the auditorium. So I went looking for him, and he wasn't in any of the dressing rooms, none of the other actors had seen him, and that's when I noticed the side door of the stage was open, leading to the alleyway at the back of the building. I took a lit lantern, and I went outside and started looking for him. I went down the alleyway and towards the field, it's quite dark down there, and I did come across Tim. I found him huddled over, and he looked like he'd been badly injured. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. My officer went at the back there, and there was no sign of this, uh, of Mr. April at the back, and you're you're contending that he was uh, in the field? If I might uh, be allowed to finish, Inspector. Very well. Takes a sip of his tea. I went out into the back of the theatre and and ventured into the field with the intent of finding Tim April. And I did find him. You say there was a mass amount of blood in the field. Well, that blood, I'm afraid to say, was Tim's. When I reached him, he was huddled over in a state of shock and he had gone very, very pale. He clearly lost blood. But before I could raise the alarm to signal for help, I turned and something hit me in the back of the head. The next thing I remember is waking up with my compatriots carrying me back to the theatre with my memory completely shot. Hmm. So whatever happened to Tim in that alleyway, I'm clearly interrupted, and whoever was responsible didn't like my being there. Yes. 
I was going to explain the lack of blood and injury on my own person. So whatever happened to Tim after I was knocked unconscious, I can only assume that the body was disposed of. Or perhaps Tim survived the ordeal and ran away. No. All I can tell you is, I am not responsible, and neither is Madame Sway. Right. Something hit you on the back of the head, you say? That's exactly what I just said. Okay, well... Hmm. You seem, you seem to doubt what I'm saying, Inspector. You know what? Make a... Persuasion check. Uh, and then persuade... Oh, you have got some in persuade. Okay. So, we're looking for 22 or under. Oof, 95. 95. Yeah, 95. You get the feeling he's not quite buying your story completely. Like, he's putting the pieces together, mm-hmm. but he he's kind of... he He's maybe noticed that it doesn't 100% add up. He says, uh, okay, well, I will admit that that does account for your presence at the places you've been known to be at, but... Uh, if you sustained a head injury, where is the where's the evidence of, of such an I- injury? We're, we're just taking your word on all of this. Well, as you can see, Inspector, I'm not exactly a lean person. I'm quite heavily built. In the it back t- of the head. It takes a lot to knock somebody out, and as you may recall, I did complain of having quite a severe headache when you were trying to question me last night. Yes, I do recall. Indeed. I woke up this morning, the headache had subsided... And while I may not have any scarring or anything like that, I can tell you there's definitely a bump on the back of my head that isn't going to go away anytime soon. So how do you, how do you account for the continued disappearance of Mr. April? I honestly couldn't tell you. I, all I can say is I found him there, clearly injured. Before I could call for help, I was rendered unconscious. Hmm. He might have run away. He might have been disposed of. I really can't say. And uh, you can corroborate this, Madam Sway, was it? We didn't leave him very long. We were waiting for him for only a short bit of time. You expect us to believe that he would harm someone and then dispose of their body in that short amount of time? Really, it's ridiculous. You never know what a man can be capable of. Not this man, Inspector. I'm an archaeologist by profession, not a murderer. Not a soldier, and certainly not somebody who goes out hurting people for sport. The very fact that we're here must speak words. Exactly. If we were guilty, we'd have run away by now. But instead we came to the police station as you asked us to do. And we've given you the information willingly, after I recovered the good night's sleep. I'm not saying I buy everything that you're, uh, you're telling me, but... Without any evidence to the contrary, I'm, uh, I'm bound to uh, release you for now. But don't leave town. We might have uh, further questions for you. Um, still at, uh, at Mrs. Um, Mrs. Kendall's boarding house, was it? That's correct. Right. Yes. Okay, well, as I said, you are. we, we still may have further questions for you at a later date. Something about this still doesn't add up. Fair enough, Inspector. You'll know where to find us. A great deal of many things to add up. Yes, well... 
Okay, you're uh, you're free to go for now, but just watch yourselves. Thank you, Inspector. Thank you. He stands up again. Yep. Finishes, gulps down the rest of his tea, and uh, sort of leaves, opens the door, and uh, sort of gestures you out. Okay. We get up. And we leave the station. Yep. Let's go with Barnard then. We'll cut to uh, cut to Barnard. Unless, unless there was a, a a moment you wanted to have previous. Just a moment, sigh of relief. Yeah. <laughs> and it meant and she's going to roll a cigarette and have a cigarette as they leave. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, Barnard then, um, as you leave them in the police station, where would you like to go? Um, I'd like to go and get a local paper if there's such a thing going. So if there's a grocery shop or mm. I'm trying to think of what the equivalent of the time would well, be. You, you can return to the same grocers that you went to uh, the previous day for your gin. Well, that's where I shall go then. Yeah. Okay, so uh, as you as you enter, you quickly find a copy of the um, Twinum on Sea Times, I believe I called it the previous day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Sounds about right. As opposed to the uh, the previous day when there was a strange sort of lack of um, you know, reporting about the uh, the the uh, the verger's death. The the big headline on the front page of of the um, of the paper is "Terror at the Tempest." The sort of subheading mm-hmm. says um, "Shock and horror as uh, theatre stunt goes wrong, causing death." Reading the word words "theatre stunt," Barnard kind of snorts and. Uh... Taking it up to the counter to pay for it, he kind of remarks to the uh, the guy behind the counter. You heard much about what happened last night? Uh, well, no, not much of a theatre man myself. Didn't uh, didn't go. Still, you got you can't be too careful. They're trying all sorts of special effects these days, trying to keep up with the pictures. Yes, it all seems like a little bit too much for me. And uh, with that, I'll pay for the paper and uh, head out. Hmm. Um. Once back out on the on the street. Um. Going to walk down to the harbour, sure. or towards the coastline. Yeah, yeah. Having heard talk of people disappearing and whatnot, just want to have a look around. Okay. So yes, you can. You find your way down to the uh, sort of the edge of the harbour, looking around. Uh, there's not too many people down on the coast bit where you are. Uh, are you sort of staying sort of the, the town side of things, or are you crossing the river? This is a, a little bit out of character talk of of the what, sort of more the way that Alistair and Madame Sway had previously gone. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? Um, I was thinking I'm going to stay towards the town side and just walk along the waterfront, kind of take in the the comings and goings of ships, try and get a gauge of where people are coming and going from the area, that kind of thing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, it's it's a little bit sort of I wouldn't call it deserted, but it's quiet down on the sort of waterfront area. But looking out across the harbour, you can see there's a there's a few sort of fishing boats kind of sitting in the harbour. Um, others are heading out to, to sea. You can see there's a little bit of activity around the kind of distant sort of fishing village kind of area. Um, and across uh, in the shadow of the headland, you can see uh, the large sort of imposing kind of manor house. Looking to your right, as you look along the river... You can kind of just about make out now that you've kind of been there in the darkness. You can sort of figure out where the field at the back of the um, at the back of the theatre slopes down to the river. It's not it's not too tricky to f- to figure out where that sort of ends up. Okay, then having having clocked that that kind of route is ahead, 
uh, well, head closer to have a look and see, like, what is on that path between where we were last night and the waterfront. Hmm. And is there any indication of anything in the area that stands out? Trodden um, down grass, anything like that. So, yeah, make a spot hidden check for me. Okay, look. I got 64, 64 and my spot hidden is 25. 25. So yeah, no, I mean, it's. You, you can definitely see. You, you can, you've sort of found the spot. You found, like, the back. You know, the, the sort of the river bit where you can just quickly see where the back of the theatre is. Um, but it just looks like a field. Any kind of grass that might have been sort of tramped down has sort of sprung back into place over the last eight, eight to ten hours or so. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any indication of people having come and gone? Any indication of police not that work having taken s- place or anything like that? Not that you can see, no. Okay. Um... Noting that it doesn't look like the police have done anything about this, is there is the blood still there? Is there still indication of all of that stuff, or is, is something you are happened? able to find? I mean, again, that even that grass has sort of sprung back, back a little bit, um, but you are able to find blood stains. Yes, mm-hmm. it does. As you look around there, you can see that that bit is fairly close in, in sort of in terms of the whole field. That bit is fairly close to the theatre. Mm-hmm. And and that and that end of the field has got sort of a little bit of sort of tramped down marks in it anyway, compared to the rest of it. So it is possible that the police have been in this bit, but there's no kind of like boot prints or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you are able to find like the blood stain. Okay, then um... it has. I think I sort of said it. it you know, it's cloudy and stuff, and it, there's a bit of wetness on the the road as you left the lodging. So it has been raining a little bit. Although it, that said, the blood stain is a bit reduced. Mm-hmm. Okay, then. Um, noting that it's kind of hard to tell if anybody's been or that, where people may have come or gone or where this creature that Alistair was talking about, what direction it might have headed in, uh, I'm going to walk back down to the waterfront and kind of... Um, is it... We're walking to the waterfront from that field. Is it? Are we walking out to, like, the edge of the harbour or just down to the shoreline? It's kind of down... It's kind of down to the river, but the river goes into the harbour. Uh-huh. And, okay, I see what you mean then. Yeah. So then, it's just going to keep walking along the waterfront and follow it along in the direction towards the manor house. Hmm, okay. And just keeping an eye and ear out, and generally just trying to take in the area some more, considering all, all the things that have occurred. The, the manor house is on the other side of the river, so I'm, I'm going to just say that you weren't across the bridge. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll, I'll cross the river then and... Follow the the shoreline along towards the manor house on that side of the river. Then it is a little bit of a walk, um, but you kind of get round there, and you sort of that you get you come to a, um, a sort of boundary of the property that the manor house sits on. Which I think I said when Adam Sway went for a walk around there, there is a wall kind of blocking further progress there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say it's impossible to get round at all. You know, determined person could do okay. so, but. Well, not looking to draw more police attention. Um, Barna's going to kind of follow the wall along on the side he's supposed to be on and go up towards perhaps um, the front gate or just gauge a bit more of the the outskirts of this manor house. He's not very fussed about politeness, so should mm. anybody see him, he's just going to acknowledge him. But he really just wants to get a real lay of the land here. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you follow the wall along a little bit and you quickly come to the um, uh, the, the front gate. There is a road leading up to it. The gates are firmly closed, and there is a sign sort of over the gates saying Druitt Hall. 
noting that the the name Druitt has been uttered in front of him, the uh, the driver mm. that had come into the uh, the grocery store when I was buying the gin. Yeah, the butler. Um, yes. Um, takes note of that. Glances through the gate. Is it, what? What's kind of the view from here? Can I see the house itself? Yeah, you can definitely see the house from here. It's 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 a pretty large kind of manor house, sort of sitting in the shadow of the um of the the sort of headland. Uh, it is fairly close to the water. Um, but there's some sort of quite well tended sort of lawns surrounding it, but the the rest of the sort of the grassland kind of near to the gate is a little bit more wild. But the the house itself seems. It does look taken care of. It's not like a ruin or anything like that. It doesn't look disused. Mm-hmm. And is there any indication of movement or occupancy, like in the windows or anything like that right now? Make a... Just make an intelligence check, because it, it's kind of... It's a little different for where you were looking for clues just now. <laughs> this is just a general sort of, do I see movement? 46. Okay, so you want it under 50, so that's pretty good. Um, that's all right, then. You do see... There's no sign of movement on the outside of the house, but you think you see somebody moving behind one of the curtains on the one of the windows. Not kind of like there's no like twitching curtain. It's not like somebody's standing there looking out at you. But you just think you see a shape moving behind it. Mm-hmm. It's still a fair distance away from you at this point. You're not like it's kind of, you know, you're a couple of hundred feet away from the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, not really thinking any more on that, just wanting to have him have a little snoop more than anything else. Mm. Um, Byron's going to head towards the road, the, the closest road that's going to allow him to walk back towards town, and we'll have a leisurely stroll back towards the lodgings okay. at that point. No problem. Um, all right, well, let's let's time jump to all three of you sort of meeting up again then, because you sort of said you'd meet back at the lodgings. Um, upon walking through the door, let's say you guys are there first, and then I'll walk in. Uh, Barnard will walk in and say, uh, catch eyes with one of the two of you and say, uh, how was your uh, conversation with the police? Thankfully, without being arrested. Indeed, they seem to uh, accept the story that we gave them. It's quite the relief to see you both sitting here. I was expecting perhaps only one of you. Indeed, although they did give us the uh, instruction to not leave the town just yet. We're still under suspicion. Hmm. I suppose with good reason. I uh, <laughs> I went to visit the uh, the scene of the events last night, and I could couldn't really discern anything further. It was very hard to tell, even even if the police had been there to uh, investigate themselves. I did have a little wander up to a local manor house and just had a little glance through the windows, and some somebody by the name of Druitt living there. Nothing particularly interesting, I'll be honest with you. But the house on the headland. Yes, that's the one. You heard something about it? Not much. It's a strange place. The only thing I know about uh, Lady Druitt that lives there is she's uh, quite recluse. You can make a history check if you like to see if you can recall any details. I will do that. As you, you're the, the only one who's been to the town before. Mm. I'm looking for 35 or less. You are looking for 35 or less. 62. 62. No, I mean, you can't, you can't recall any really in-depth details just like you said that she's a bit of a recluse she hasn't really been seen since the war was it pre-war that Alistair had been here but I suppose uh, he's yes, had correspondence pre-war. with um, Abraham. Abraham and he's come and down such. a couple of times since the war but predominantly he spent most of his time in Twilight Sea as a child pre- okay. pre-war right okay yeah so you, you can't recall a huge amount you just know that there's the sort of 
the general kind of like you're not exactly sure who you heard it from but just the general knowledge that like maybe Lady Druid's husband died in the war and she hasn't really been seen since then mm. yep. that's we'll go with that yeah that is that's all you can remember that's all I can remember yeah there's not we're going with that about no, it that's, that's, that's all I'm going to tell that's you that's right I think her husband perished during the war but I can't really tell you anything more than that well that would make sense of the butler I saw buying provisions at the grocery store the other day Seemed like he was the type who would be uh, doing everything for her. You had also heard, uh, Barnard, you had also heard her name um, spoken by the uh, doctor as you passed him leaving the sanitarium the previous day, saying he was, go- he was saying to one of his assistants he would be going, he would be returning later after he'd attended to Lady Druid. Mm-hmm. Well, a voice in the back of Barnard's head kind of clicks and, and reminds him that he's heard this Druid name before and it was the, one of the doctors that was uh, at the sanitarium talking about having treated Lady Druid in some way, shape or form. And uh, considering this, he relays to the rest of the group, you know, now that I think about it, that uh, the name Druid does ring more of a bell. I, I knew there was a reason for me to be looking up at that name. Um, well, when I was visiting Jenkins the other day, um, one of the staff mentioned that they were treating Lady Druid somewhere up at the uh, the sanitarium. Perhaps it's a little more than just the death of her husband that's uh, keeping her out of the uh, limelight in the public eye. Maybe so. This town is very strange. And then some. Sorry, did you say that she's been treated at the sanitarium? Yes, well, it's, it's, it's really the only local hospital care that's possible, so it, it might not be that she's receiving quite as drastic a treatment of my friend Jenkins, but and I didn't hazard to uh, inquire further. Impropriety being what it is. Then I'm, I'm, are we assuming that her butler takes all things to her in the sanitarium? That seems mighty odd. No, you, uh, well, Barnard, at least, you would recall the, go- the doctor was on his way. Uh, he was leaving to get into a car and he was sort of saying, I'll return once I've attended to Lady Druid. So he was sort of driving away from the sanitarium. You would put two and two together to kind of... Oh, so she's not in the Yeah, she's not in the sanitarium. She's at the manor house. The the doctor is going to see her. That's why I was a little confused. I was stressed I said attended and not treated as well. I'm not not trying to lead you down a path here or anything. (laughs) No, no, it's good because my memory's shit, so (laughs) (laughs) I can bring it back around. You know, I, I don't know what's quite wrong with me right now. I, I, I fear I'm suffering from some mild version of your uh, your malady, uh, Alistair. My my memory is all over the place right now. But now that now that I think further, um, the the doctor in question he he wasn't tending to Lady Druid at the sanitarium. He was visiting Lady Druid, which I suppose, given her stature, makes more sense. He's going to the manor house to give her the treatment. Yes, yes, he was he was leaving the sanitarium at the time. You remember one of the um the the attendant that was going with the doctor had also loaded a large case into the back of the um the back of the car as they were leaving. Mm-hmm. Just okay. providing some flavour. Yeah, that, that that's a detail that I think Barnard's gonna leave on the sidelines for now. Yes, it's, it seems rather odd that Perhaps she's as tied up with events up at the sanitarium as as she is. I mean, I'm surprised that she's not being asked to at least attend the place herself now that I consider it. My friend Jenkins had no choice but to travel here. One thing for them and the, another thing for the Hoi Where is this sanitarium? 
it's just on the outskirts outskirts of town. Just uh, if you travel out on this road and kind of at that point, have we got like? <laughs> Yeah, we're assuming no, that one, at least one of us, considering yeah. the time and place, should have some sort of map about a person. Well, yeah, no, let's just say that you, you're able to direct and yeah. explain well enough. <laughs> I'll, I'll spare the specifics, but yes. <laughs> um, do we think the sanitarium has something to do with this creature that you saw, maybe? Possibly. Well, my, my thought was that if there's anybody else that's potentially been injured or maybe suffering from... Uh, hysterical memory loss or the such, they, they may well be up there right now. There, there could be somebody that's a witness to some of the events locally that we're completely unaware of right now. Oh, and the poor things think they, they're mad. Yes, exactly. It seems to me that that might be the best place to start looking. I don't know what's going on here, but I damn hell want to get to the bottom of it. Yes, we should probably check on your friend as well, Bernard. Yes, Jenkins, yes, he, was it? Yes, he underwent some kind of uh, what appeared to be a rather drastic procedure the other day. I am rather interested to find out whether he's in recovery. So, uh, yes, that, that, that seems like a, a good reason for us to visit on as a group. And uh, perhaps while I attend to Jenkins, you two could uh, perhaps look elsewhere and maybe garner some information. I like yes. this idea. See if we can rustle a few feathers without spooking the chickens. Quiet. I'll find us a cab. Okay. Uh, the three of you are dropped off at the sanitarium. Um, Barnard, it's obviously now you're, you've been here a couple of times previously. Alistair and Madam Sway, you see uh, the sanitarium itself is a kind of quite imposing sort of long uh, brick building um, behind uh, sort of wrought iron gates, and it's a gravel pathway leading up to the front entrance. Imposing, isn't it? Yes, it's got quite the uh, the grim air about it, I suppose, for good reason. I don't know about anyone else, but doesn't it just strike a chord of fear into you at the same time? Somewhat. Mm, I, I mostly feel foreboding. I've, I've, I've spent time in places such as this, and it's never a pleasure. No, they don't seem like pleasant places, despite the fact that they're supposed to help you get well. Well, once more onto the breach, dear friends. And, uh, leading the way then, going to have Barnard enter into the reception and uh, speak to, well, who's there? Is it is it a familiar face? It is a familiar face, yes. So, oh, hello again, sir. Uh, good afternoon. I, I was looking to visit my friend Jenkins here with my compatriots. I'm sure we can arrange that. Um... Uh, you, you you know the way, I'm, I'm sure, at this point. <laughs> Third day here. Yes, yes. Thank you very much, and uh, I will uh, see you before my departure. And kind of nods and uh, then nods to the others to sort of like follow me down the corridor, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, nobody stops you from uh, from entering the uh, the ward. And um, you find your way along to Jenkins' bed. Uh, are you, all three of you going to see Jenkins, or are you... Well, as we're wandering along, Barnard's going to kind of turn to the others and say, um, well, as you can see, this place isn't that heavily staffed. Um, might I suggest that you poke your heads into the rooms while I attend to Jenkins, and uh, should one of you run into trouble, tell them that you've lost your way and that you're looking for me, and uh, that should cover our backs. Yes. Good plan. I'll Which way would you like to go, left or right? 
Let's go right. Hmm. Okay. Do you want me to take the left, or shall we stick together? Good. Maybe we should split up. Actually, you go left. I'll go right. Try and meet up in, say, twenty minutes. Don't get lost. Nor nor you, my dear. Yes, and uh, do remember where Jenkins' room is if they ask you. And he kind of knocks on the door to kind of point towards whatever signage or whatever there is to be like, there you go, there's your, there's your hint, remember that. Mm. Yeah, the, the sign reads, uh, Men's Ward 2. Okay. Men's Ward 2, got it. Yeah. Okay, so Madam Sway, you're going left then. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So heading left, you pass down uh, a corridor. There's uh, there's a couple of doors on left and right that don't really look like uh, their other wards. They seem to be more kind of storage and sort of nurses' offices. Did you want to look in them, or are you? What are you? What are you thinking? No, but I'm going to take note of the storage cover just in case I have to like mm. sneak in it to avoid staff members. Yeah. What what is so it I you're will kind keep of? That. What is it you're kind of looking for specifically? I'm thinking more to see if like what kind of other patients there are Mm -hmm. and if they seem like mad like because i'm assuming the sanitarium it's it's about they're people with adult minds well no actually it's uh, it's 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 not an asylum it's a sanitarium is kind of a precursor to a modern hospital oh okay it's a proper yeah i mean that's not to say that there wasn't a lot of crossover between like people who were mentally ill just getting being like oh we'll give them to the doctor sort of thing but this this does of, have its fair share of sort of people who are just sick mm, as well. I'm kind of tempted to look for the senior doctor's office, but that might draw too much attention. Hmm, okay. So I might see if I can find like an administration like cupboard or like a like where they store their files and things. Right, okay. Like records thing. Records room to see. Records room, okay. Yeah. Well, okay then. So the the men's ward, the second men's ward that um, Barnard led you to was was up on the second floor. Um, there isn't really any kind of major sort of signage, sort of like like you would find in like a modern hospital with like this way to cardiology or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But with the thought of records room in your mind, you would think, well, that's probably not going to be upstairs. That's going to be no, probably in the basement. Yeah. Or- at least on the lower level. Yeah, so kind of, are you sort of sneaking around or are you just sort of walking like you're meant to be there? I'm going to start with like a purpose. So in her mind, she's got like an area, a way to go. So she's going to try and appear confident like she knows where she's going. Mm-hmm. And she's like in a task. So I'm going to have that facade of uh, calm and yeah. uh, purposeful. Not looking action. shifty, just kind of like, no, right, yeah. No, just yeah. pure confidence and like I'm supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah, you, you kind of quite quickly then sort of walk down this corridor and find your way to a stairwell um thinking that the records room might be are you thinking basement did you say yeah or or at least on the lower level Mm. near the administration kind of bit yeah i'd imagine they'd have like um an office space which for like their typists because i'm assuming they'd be typing up the records and Putting them mm. into their files, and then they would go like down to like another room somewhere. Yeah, more sort Probably of like a long-term storage kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I mean, there there was a you kind of clocked it as you came in. There was kind of a couple of filing cabinets in the re- in the reception area. Um, mm. Out of character, Barnard asked about his uh, his friend the previous day, and the receptionist had gotten some details from those cabinets. 
but they're definitely they you, with an idea going in that you might want to look at a records room you clocked those as definitely not being big enough for, for having a lot of records in them so yeah that, that, that logic kind of tracks that yeah there's probably a sort of more of an archive yeah like an archive yeah. room yeah um so yeah you kind of with, with that thought in mind you you kind of descend this staircase and find yourself in, on a in a basement level there's um in the corridor down there there's some kind of dim sickly looking kind of electric light bulbs that are sort of flickering a bit they're not i mean it's the 1930s so there's not you know big sort of fluorescent bulbs or mm. anything but this, this whole area doesn't look particularly well cleaned really it's not like nasty and flooded or anything like yeah. that it's just kind of like okay we, so it'd be as well to assume that not many people down to the basement on mm. a regular basis no um okay but after some brief searching, you do find a records room. Ah, oh, let's go in. Let's go in. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, opening the door, there's uh, rows upon rows of uh, filing cabinets. Each one has letters on them, sort of indicating that this interview is stored alphabetically. I would like to try and find the Druid name, but I'd also like to keep an eye on... Um, I'd imagine that at the start of every one, they like a deaths, births, births, deaths, and um, births, deaths, and marriages. Mar- well, yeah, well, not so much not... marriages, but like a births and deaths kind of catalogue. Um, so I'd kind. Of... Yeah, I mean, there would be kind of a there would be sort of like a, a catalogue of sort of record of births, if that, I think. But at the same time, in 1930s, there was an awful lot of like home births going on. Mm, that's true as well. Okay, well, well, with an eye of maybe looking for that, uh, you are able to quickly find a filing cabinet with the letter D on it. And it's not a huge population in Twinemon C, so um, it's not a lot, it doesn't take a lot of searching to find um, the records of the Druitt family. Let's have a nosy at their medical history. <laughs> <laughs> Find out how many of them got put to the, put to an asylum. How many? <laughs> how many of them were allergic to peanuts? Um, <laughs> so looking through, there is a you can you can see the the birth of Lady Druitt's husband. There's no mention of her at that bit, obviously. And going back, he seemed to have always been fairly healthy, and there. There's a sort of it's sort of sporadic medical history on that. He's always, you know, he didn't see the doctors quite a lot. There is a a note that's been appended to it of died in battle, 1917. In there's a it just says France, and that that's kind of the end of his file. There is a file for Lady Druitt. Seems to have been yeah. She's had a. It kind of starts sort of. At a at an age of about twenty five, which you would be assumed was maybe when she joined the family, appears there's a sort of a kind of a fairly long list of maladies, but most of them are kind of seem to be quite sort of petty little complaints. If that makes mm. sense, they're not real. Well, well, with a modern eye, they're not real things. It's like a kind of hypochondria slash Munchausen. A little of. bit, yeah. And in 1916, it appears she was 
receiving pregnancy treatment. Mm-hmm. As in, like, prenatal care. Okay. Is there any further mention of the child, or...? No. Oh, that's suspicious. <laughs> is there... is his name mentioned, or...? Anything. There's nothing mentioned about a birth or anything like that. There's, in fact, there's no file for a child. And everything, there, there's treatment for on her file after her husband's death of just general sort of... You, you could be read into it that she was depressed. Mm. Um, but it's sort of written down as like malaise and things like that. Yeah. And there is also occasional treatments of you're not quite sure what it's sort of saying but it's kind of implying that there was an on it it it, it doesn't appear that the records have been kept very well you could read that into it mm. um because it's sort of not there's a lot of kind of non-specific visits if that makes sense sort of recorded okay. um the so visiting outside of like normal patient doctor possibly well they could. It could just be that there's a you know there's house visits been made and mm, yeah and they just didn't fully fill out a form. But the number of them that there are, and the fact that most of them basically from well from about 1916 1917 onwards don't have a reason written for the the visit. There's no you know prior to that it was always they had a diagnosis or something sort of applied to them of sort of visiting due to this visiting due to this. Yeah. From a certain point, it's just written down as visited, attended, visited, you know, kind of right up to present day. It's actually, it, this way, it seems like she's getting an awful lot of, like, private treatment that's not like like other less people in less classes wouldn't have that. Well, that wouldn't be unheard of to if, if the doctors here are her family doctor. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, it, she just, she's getting house calls instead of going in. But it does strike you as odd that, well, there's a couple of things that's odd that there's no mention of the of a child after the pregnancy stuff, and that there's no mention of what actually they're attending her for past a certain point. Very odd. Hmm. Very odd. But that's that's pretty much what you find. Yeah. I'm. I mean, the the child um, Sway would probably put that down to probably a miscarry or. There never was a child. <laughs> um, considering she's got this like hypochondriac kind of Munchausen kind of. Well, idea. there's enough sort of um, entries that you would guess it probably there was a child, or like she, at the very mm. least, she was pregnant. Okay. Yeah, just the number of sort of treatments, sort of you know, it was a regular sort of thing. Okay, attended to assess there's pregnancy. There's been a lot of midwife. Um, yeah, yeah. Midwife visits. I'm trying to think what other records I could possibly have a look for, but mm. but that um, that's really all I'm, you find in the Druid file, though. Mm. Up to up to you know, it's relevant for this bit. Obviously, yeah. stretching back a little ways, there's stuff about you know what would have been Lord Druid before he was killed, his mm. his father and stuff. You know, but that's not really. No, it's not really worth. Um, yeah, it's more. Just, those was, are more just kind of historical sort of records at this point. Yeah. I was just wanting to see if there was like a possible record to show if there was like there's a lot it's been an awful lot of deaths and missing. So hmm. I was kind of hoping to maybe try and find a record that would maybe show if there had been a similar one in a similar year or 
but I don't think that would probably come up in the, their death records probably wouldn't be that accurate either. Hmm. But I will probably, Sway will probably just go back up towards um, the men's ward. Okay. But like have a, just keep her eye out as she's heading back with her new information. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll switch to uh, Alistair then. You go right at the junction. I do. What are you looking for? I am looking into basically other wards, other rooms as I go, trying to get a peek of the, the state of other state of other patients, state of other people, activities okay. that are going on. So uh, next to Men's Ward Two is uh, surprisingly Men's Ward One. You you just sort of sort of strolling in as if you're meant to be there and that as well. I take it or yeah, literally just walking through, mm-hmm. not making it look making it look as if I'm looking for. A person just kind of okay cover up my sort of snooping snoopiness. All right, okay. Can I get an intelligence check? If you this is just a kind of slyly, you're, you're, I mean, because it's not really spot hidden. You're just kind of getting a general kind of look at the state of things. Yeah. Um, so intelligence. Check. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, forty-one. That is less than what you needed, I think, wasn't it? Forty-five. Forty-five. So yeah. pretty close. Pretty close. You, yeah. That is a success, though. Um, the general kind of feeling that you get is that there's. By and large, a lot of people here aren't in that bad of a state. There's a few that do look like they're genuinely sort of injured, but by and large, it seems to be people with a sort of a quite wide variety of different sort of um, conditions. Most of them don't seem too bad, but they are all still being sort of housed in. And there's a couple of nurses around who are attending. One or two beds sort of towards one end of the ward do appear to be a bit more serious and with that actually with that intelligence check I'll say you, you do manage to spot it each of those because um, they do have a chart kind of out on the table at the end of the um, end of the bed each of those does have a note on there that says recovery the ones on the one on the, the pair that look worst say post procedure recovery and the other two both look in a, a fairly bad way but they're both marked down as critical procedure priority. The two who are in, it says recovery, do look like they've got a slight jaundice tone to them. And they, they've clearly, they're, they're asleep, hmm. but they, they're bandaged around into several places. Okay. In several places, is this including kind of their they, sections? Uh, yeah. Right. And the jaundice colour, or the way they look, Yes. Flashing back to the thing that Alistair saw in the field behind the theatre. Hmm. Okay, Alistair's a bit uh, wary of these individuals. Hmm. Um, he takes in what he's seen on the notices and is going to, to calmly carry on through the ward because is there a is there a ward where there's a door yeah you can end? go out the other end right so I'm going to go out the other side and then look for where else I can go hmm um, so the other end opens out into a, a slightly wider corridor as you, as you look to your left it seems there's a similar door a little ways along that you could put together through general knowing the layout of where you came in that might be a similar exit to the men's ward 2 mm-hmm and you're kind of facing a door that lab- labelled surgery procedure room. So the door for surgery in front. 
Uh, it's, it's on the opposite wall. There's okay. and actually looking sort of around, it, it, you could put it together that this corridor also maybe leads to uh, women's wards as well. But right. there is an, an entrance way. It says uh, surgery slash procedure room. Alistair is going to walk cautiously towards the door to mm-hmm. surgery. And uh, does it have like um, sort of port windows? Yeah, you can you, you can, can peek through. in. Yeah. Right. It's going to um, walk up to the door and just look through and see if he can spot anything. Or anyone. Okay. Going about the business. It doesn't look like there's anybody in there at the moment, but it does look like it's sort of there's trays and things out, and it does look like it's sort of been prepared for prepared for an imminent surgery. Right. I gently push on one of the doors mm-hmm. and enter the room. Okay. And I'm looking around for anything out of the ordinary. Okay. Also, I'm trying to think what Alistair would hiding space if necessary. All right. Okay. I mean, Alistair, what would you know? You wouldn't really know what's out of the ordinary for a surgery room, I'm assuming. Um, but you've got a general idea of what surgery, like a general sort of in your head of like, well, this what would be out of place for a surgical room? And nothing really stands out mm. as like, you know, there's not like a chainsaw lent against the wall or anything weird like that. You know, everything is sort of kind of what you think would be there. Um, as I say, it does look like it's been very recently laid up and prepared. It's quite clean and sterile. It's all clean and sterile and everything. Um, make an intelligence check for me to see if you can find a hiding spot. 48. 48. So that's, that's, that's just over, but very close to your number. So I will say you're not 100% sure if it's going to be a good hiding spot, but you do spy a, a corner which is kind of blocked in by some machinery. So you, you might be able to just kind of duck down behind. Okay. You're not 100% sure if that's going to be fully hidden, but it's it looks like it might be okay. So I've just spotted an area to, that I can go to if I'm caught okay. in this room, because I'm guessing it's one way in, one way out. Yes. Yeah. So you, you've just kind of clocked this hiding space when you do hear... You do hear the sounds of doors opening further up the corridor from where you came from, and the sound of footsteps coming towards the surgery, and... what. Well, you could put two and two together as the rolling of a bed. Right. Someone coming. Time to hide. And with that, Alistair goes into the corner mm-hmm. behind the machinery and tries to hunker down okay. as much as possible. Just for me, can you make a stealth check as well on that? You've got a hiding space, but like, I just want to know what you get. Okay. The... Uh, 60. 60? What were you aiming for? Uh, I haven't actually got anything in... So 20 stealth. you are aiming for. Okay. 20? I think it's 20 for stealth. Yeah. 20. yeah. Um, okay, so... That is a failure. Yeah. But let's cut to Barnard real quick. So, Barnard, you find your way uh, to Jenkins' side. He is in bed. Um, the curtains aren't drawn around his bed, though, this time, like they were last time. But he um, does have a note on... You you spot it as well as you walk up, because it wasn't there before. His chart, and it says uh, procedure recovery on his chart. Mm -hmm. Um, Jenkins, old boy, how are you? How goes recovery? What, Barnard? Didn't think I'd see you again. (coughs) Well, I wasn't going anywhere, not not until I knew you were uh, at least a little better, my friend. How are you? Don't know if that's the case. Oh, I don't reckon I've got much left, mate. They've taken. What have they? Taken some bits. Taken bits? What bits have they taken off of you? Looking at that's him, you, you can see he's quite bandaged up. 
um, all around his kind of chest midsection area, and he's looking a little yellow. Oh, yes. Looks like they might have taken something vital there, old boy. I'm sorry to hear that you're feeling worse for it. I was expecting some measure of improvement, at least. I'll have to have a word with the men in charge of this. Find out what it is they think they're doing. <laughs> oh, I'm, sh I'm sure they're only doing what they think's right, Barrod. Maybe, maybe. Don't raise a fuss on my account. Well, I'm, I'm trying to think of what Barnard would do at this point. Um, is there a seat in the room that I can grab and pull up and quickly take a seat? And yeah, yeah, you can grab a chair. Uh, I just thought I might. Um, well, considering you're feeling awful, is there, is there anything on your mind, my friend? Something, anything you wanted to get off of your chest? I, I'll sit with you until you uh, feel like you're uh, you're done with me. It's really the least I can do. Well. I don't know. Uh, I'll thank you for sitting with me, Barnard. <coughs> now just, just sit with me, Barnard. I, it's uh, it, it hurts. I'm so sorry to hear that. And with that, Barnard takes his hand and kind of sits and quietly, like if he if he wants to talk, he's talking. But Barnard is not forcing the issue here. He's going to wait to see mm. as and when one of his. Uh, partners in crime as it were returns <laughs> so Madam Sway returns after a short time Madam Sway you, you find Barnard sat next to his friend there is a chart on the side um, his friend looks in a quite a bad way he's a little bit sort of yellow jaundiced bandage around his midsection and uh, Barnard sort of holding his hand uh, hearing movement, Barnard looks up towards Madame Sway and gives a kind of... A, he's, he's looking a little bit upset at this point, but gives that kind of like, oh, we're here for another purpose, I'm going to show you a little determination, like, acknowledgement, like, what, what, what have you found, Madame Sway? Anything interesting out there in the halls? Well, the, the woman that we... the druid woman seems very... I don't know, she's just... She, the doctor visits her a lot, and the reasons for these visits aren't mentioned. Very suspicious indeed. She well, she was pregnant at one point, but unfortunately I think she must have lost the child. Mm. But ever since then, ever since around 1916-17, she's had these continuous visits from the doctor. Or sporad sporadic ones, at least, but always a visit. She never comes here. Odd. Very Perhaps odd. we should inv ask around town as to uh, the last time anybody saw this woman. Not at the very sure least, it's, it's a curiosity. Yes. It is rather odd, though. <coughs> Who's this, Barnard? Oh, this is uh, this is a um, a travelling companion of mine, uh, Madam Sway. This is uh, my uh, a friend of mine from the war, Jenkins. Oh, nice good to meet you, Jenkins. Good to meet you, Miss. Oh, I don't I don't know quite what I don't know quite how how much how much uh, time I got left. <coughs> so yeah, grab the chart, uh, have a quick perusal of it, and uh, what are the notes telling me about what's going on with Jenkins? Um, so, yeah, now you've got a bit of a closer look at it now, and at the top, then, which is sort of the the bit that you notice as you were sitting down, it says, post-procedure recovery. 
There's a lot of kind of medical jargon, but the last line really strikes you. It says, procedure successful, liver removed. Reading those words, Barnard's face drops a little and he looks up to Madame Swain and says, it says that he's had his liver successfully removed. But I suspect, if my biology is correct, that, that the man should be dead in front of us, or, and then looking back over and noting the jaundice, or possibly dying. <coughs> oh, that doesn't sound too good. No. And with that, Barnard shoots up to his feet within a matter of urgency about him and uh, strides past Madame Sway out into the corridor towards reception to get somebody to explain things. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Our next uh, story episode, episode 52, continuing where we left off today, will be available as usual in two weeks' time, on Thursday the 20th of June. Uh, So we hope you'll all tune back in for that. Uh, There won't be a bonus episode next week, I'm afraid, uh, but we'll be back with more of them as soon as we can. Uh, In the meantime, you can get in contact with us on Twitter and Facebook, both of which we are at PretendWithDice. Uh, You can also email us at PretendingWithDice at Outlook.com. Uh, if you're an iTunes or Apple podcast user, it'd be really great if you could leave us a rating and review. Uh, it all helps us to find new listeners, and we'd just love to hear what you think of the podcast. Uh, so for now, that's our show. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll see you next time.